Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a Triad production. I'm your host, Dr. Graham Taylor. In our show today, we're going to resume our conversation with my guest, Brian Lowry, a professor of organizational behavior and a social psychologist at Stanford Graduate School of Business. Brian's research examines the operation of racial attitudes below the threshold of consciousness and their perception of inequality. We're excited to resume our conversation on understanding the psychological responses to the concept of privilege. In our last episode, we discussed an understanding of privilege by looking at the advantages and benefits associated to a specific identity, such as race, gender, sexual orientation, etc. In that moment, privilege does not mean that life is easy for you or invalidates your struggles. It's trying to look at these specific identities on the same level to recognize the advantages or disadvantages that come with your circumstances. We discuss how we engage with privilege and how it activates our defense mechanisms. And finally, we discuss the psychological responses to privilege and the three Ds of defense, denial, distancing, and dismantling. We're gonna resume our talk today by discussing our understanding of deservingness and how the idea that your life is not solely driven by you challenges your moral worth. One of the things I would imagine is hard is when people feel like the advantages they have and the things that they have attained or gotten, given, whatever we want to call it, somehow they don't deserve. And I would imagine that would have kind of a recoiling effect if someone's told, well, you don't deserve anything you've got because you really didn't get it by yourself. What's your sense on that? I think that's exactly right. I think there's something a bit toxic in the way we understand deservingness. The reality is for most things in your life, you are not solely responsible. That's yes, just no. the, the reality of it. And the behaving as if that's how it works creates mm-hmm. negative, probably unintended consequences. And, and what we're talking about is one of those. If you behave as if or believe that you should be the sole determinant of what's happened in your life, if anything that's happened good in your life is not solely driven by you, that somehow your moral worth is challenged. Very good. Yeah. That's going to be deeply problematic. And what I want to do is say, that's just the wrong way to look at the world, right? We all are subject to luck, other people's behavior, forces that are outside of our control and that affects our lives. And I think on one hand, you can say, look, we, and most people I think would recognize this. And I'll say this for myself. Like I'm in a very comfortable situation in life for the most part. And I understand a good portion of that is luck. And that doesn't diminish in any way. That's not me saying I didn't work hard. That's not me saying I'm not smart, right? Saying that life circumstances beyond my control contributed to where I am in life. That's right. Does not diminish me or what I've contributed to my own life. And I think if we can understand that, then it, it gives space to say, okay, what things are we uncomfortable with in society that are affecting people's lives and how might we change those right in a way that isn't so personal. It isn't like, it doesn't call into question your worth or your morality. It's just a recognition of some, you know, imperfections and and negative aspects of the way the world is currently organized. Yeah. I I really like that. Oftentimes we refer to kind of holding both, you know, we're, we're afraid that if, 
well, if I acknowledge this is going to cancel out the other thing. And so I become defensive around that. And we're just saying, if we can hold both those things that have contributed to my life that I've had maybe no role in, with my jealous use of the two you've talked about so far, race and gender, I, I have no say in that. And while I don't need to be, you know, guilty around that or apologetic for that, I get to say, well, that's something that's been part of my life. And at the same time, you're also saying we can also hold what you do with the opportunities that you're given, like what you've done, what I've done, others have done. So holding both is really kind of an opportunity, isn't it? To, I think, further explore because we're not, no one has to defend against anything. We're just holding both. And then we get to lean into something where there can be a broader meaning given to these concepts you're describing to us. Yeah. And I think to the extent that morality comes in, I think it comes in when you are making decisions about how do you think about the way the world is organized? Mm -hmm. If being a man, I'll, I'll talk about myself. If I look around and say like, yeah, I benefit from being a man in ways that have nothing to do with choices I've made or talents I have, how do I think about that? How do I feel about that? What should I want to do about that? And am I willing to honestly pay a little price to make the world a better place if I think that the way things are currently organized around gender are not right? And I think that's really tough. That's the part that I think people, even people like me sometimes don't want to say out loud that, yeah, if you're privileged, it's going to cost a little bit to dismantle that. The question is like, are you committed to a world that you think of as more just? And like, what price are you willing to pay for that? And I think that's tough. That's hard for people to, to really to see. And give I can an talk example. about- no, I'll give, give you an yeah. example. I'll give you an example yeah. that's like actually one that's about race or gender. It's yeah. not race or gender, but I think that people could understand. Go ahead. Think in terms of economic opportunities. I think that huge differences in outcomes in life because of parental income or wealth, that seems not right to me. Like, I don't, I don't think that's appropriate. If I had kids, which it turns out I, I, I don't have kids, <laughs> if I had kids, it'd be easy to want to transfer whatever wealth I have to them. Okay. And the question is, is that the kind of world I really want to live in? What does that look like? Should my kids have more opportunities than someone who has less economic resources? And I personally, this is now, this is really me, Brian. I would say, no, I don't, that's not to me, that's not the world I'd like to live in. And so then the question becomes, all right, what would you do about that? Like, what are you willing to do? Like, are you willing to pay more taxes to support people, to support children who have, where their parents have less resources? Are you willing to forego some of the, what you would transfer to your children to, you know, personally engage with that inequity? I think when the rubber meets the road, you'll see like how committed you are to a more just world, if that's something that is of value to you. And to me, the questions of ethics or morality comes in there. It's not at the point of the fact that you have money or the fact that you're a man or woman, or the fact that you're white or black, that's not the point at which you should feel morally suspect. The point at which morality comes in is when you can make decisions about what that means and how that operates in the world. Yeah, I like that. So this is, you know, we're talking about moral obligation here. You're talking about what costs are we individually, maybe collectively willing to experience and sustain if we're going to try and make some changes here that might be causing us to rethink what we just inherently tend to do. For example, do I give my kids all my inheritance or do I find different ways to spread this and make these decisions so that I can 
morally and ethically respond to what can I do to change the world in a larger way? And in doing so, there's a message in that even to my kids or those around me that I'm making these decisions through. I, I, I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would, again, yeah, the simplest way to say it is like who you happen to be doesn't dictate your moral standing. It's the decisions you make about how you exist in the world that do. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And so it's and when we talk about privileges, I think people get worked up, as we've already discussed, because it's as if their moral character has been called into question based on characteristics they have no control over. Mm. And I think that's a fair concern. I think that's a misreading of what I, at least I mean by privilege. I don't judge anyone based on just who they happen to be. I think it's their commitment to moral values and how they, how those exist in the way they live that I would judge to the extent I yeah. judged anything. As we're talking about the concept of privilege and an opportunity, we're kind of leaning into it right now about ways that we can change this. You're, you're, you're talking about there's, there's some ways to make some ethical, moral, really obligatory decisions if we really want to change some of these things. How would you like to see folks that have advantages, these opportunities, these privileges, understand and believe about their privilege? And what you might like to get to see them just internally begin to think about differently. And the first thing I would do is draw a distinction between charity and moral obligation. Very good. So I think sometimes people, well, I, I know from my research that people make a distinction between advantage and disadvantage. And by that, I mean, they see them as separable when they're really not. It's like advantage and disadvantage are the different sides of the same coin, right? That's you right. cannot have advantage without disadvantages existing and vice versa. But if I think it feels more comfortable for people to mm -hmm. think in terms of disadvantage, because then they can say like, I helped that person. And there comes but in the charity. Exactly. There's charity in that. And because they don't see advantage as inextricably tied to disadvantage, yeah. they don't see the obligation. They don't see like, this is not just me doing something for them. This is like, I am a participant in that. I'm, if yeah. they are disadvantaged relative to me, that means I'm advantaged and I also have to deal with that side of it. And so I think if you think in terms of systems as opposed to like individuals, so it's not like those people are disadvantaged and those people are advantaged, it's that we live in an unequal and inequitable society, all of us. And once you think of it that way, then you say, as a participant in the society, what is my obligation given my moral commitments? And that's how you end up with obligation as opposed to charity, because charity is something you do for other people, right? When, when I talk about moral obligation, it's a recognition that you are a participant in the system. And if there's something in that yeah. system that you find morally objectionable, then you have a moral obligation to try to address that. Yeah. You know, you're talking here, Brian, about something that I think is really, really key. And I think this is part of what reduces any defensive responses. You're, you're, you're talking about things that are aspirational, that are virtuous, that are virtuous. You're, you're encouraging us to be better selves and to be driven by our morals. And, and we're, we're, we're getting into a pretty morally deficit society right now in, 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 a, in a number of ways. And, I think you're you're nudging and encouraging, not even nudging, I think you're kind of shoving <laughs> and kind of pushing this idea that 
What if we were morally better? Let's keep it simple. What if we're just morally better? What if we saw things from more of a transcendent perspective that says if we're all in this together and there are this inherent, you know, differences here, how can we all respond in a morally, ethically, more virtuous, aspirational way and be better who we are individually that collectively then gets to be a better whole? I love this. If I'm hearing this right, I, I really, really admire this perspective. That's 100% my my approach that I, and this is why I'll go back to something I said earlier and tie it in here, which is this idea of existing as individuals or islands unto ourselves creates serious problems. Yeah. And it's almost certainly just false. <laughs> I mean, it's just not how the world actually works. Yeah. And so once you take seriously that we exist in communion in a society and yes. a system together, and then you think about your moral commitments, then it just changes how you engage with other people. It changes how you think about yourself and your own behaviors. Yes. I mean, and it also, in some ways, it's relieving. It Like there's no reason to feel white guilt or guilt about being a man or guilt about having resources because it's those are things that are part of the system you in, are engaged in and participant in, not features of yeah. you as a person. They, they're not yeah. things you've done. But then it changes once you accept that, it changes how, what your moral obligations are too. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Continuing education is both a requirement and a learning opportunity, but finding the right CE provider can be challenging. AATBS, a triad company, offers continuing education for psychologists, social workers, marriage and family therapists, counselors, and behavior analysts. CE courses are available both individually and as part of our new All Access Pass. All Access Pass provides a library of over 250 unique courses. That's more than 800 hours of CEs, with new courses being added every month. As a special offer, Behavioral Health Today listeners can save 15% on CE purchases. Visit us at aatbs.com bht and enter promo code bht15 during checkout. That's aatbs.com bht. Check out our library and check off your CE requirements today. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's really well put. I, I really, really appreciate this perspective and, and this kind of encouragement around being our best selves, you know, and I think there's an opportunity to take our good and make it better and take our better and make it best. And that's what you're kind of nudging us towards here. I, I'd love to hear, I know we're kind of winding down here for today, but give us kind of a, maybe a story or, or, or something that you, you've had through your work and through raising a, a awareness and the ways that we're talking about today, where you've seen the power of changed perception of privilege and, and, and what you're seeing happening as a result of some of those discussions and growing awareness. Yeah. I mean, I I'll, it's hard to give a particular story of like change, right? Where the scale falls from someone's eyes and they, they, right. they, they, you know, on the road to Damascus or something like, I don't, have, I don't <laughs> that's a good road. It's pretty bright light. <laughs> I think, you, I, th I think you're the bright light right now. We're going to go blind for a little bit here before we get our sight back. I don't, I don't know that I have a story like that, but what I'll say is that I engage with people from all different backgrounds. And I think the people who do work with me, I'm, I'm frequently impressed because often my studies are on race. And as I said earlier, I'm fascinated just simply because of how much it organizes our lives. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and a lot of my collaborators are white and 
So some of the stuff you talked about with white privilege, like that work is driven often by white collaborators. And, and when they start to engage and do this work, obviously they come from a place where they're open to doing it in the first place. But when they start to engage and do this work, it's what's interesting is how little guilt that they have about it, how little discomfort there is with it and how that actually diminishes as they engage with it more. Absolutely. And I think that could happen for everyone. Like as you engage with it more and understand it more deeply, it actually loses some of the like pinchiness or like lack for lack of a yeah. better word. Like it, yeah. it, it, you don't, you don't think of it as like you anymore. You can see it in a more, in a clearer way. You see it out. It's like something that exists in the world that you're you're a part of as opposed to something that exists in you. Yeah. And I think getting to that place really is, I think it would provide people relief, honestly. That's really good. I, th- I would totally agree with that. And I think that one way to think about this is engaging or thinking about the world as a system that you exist in, like a society that you exist in, it comes at a cost of feeling like every good thing you have is reflection of your personal virtue. Sure. But I think what you get in return is being freed of some of the fears and guilt associated with advantages you might have. And maybe even more importantly, I think what you'd really get is a richer understanding of yourself. Like if you engage with people as participants in the system that you live in, as people who are contributing to who you are, like that's a much richer existence than feeling like you're an island unto yourself and you just sometimes bump into other people and hear their stories. Like, no, those stories are your stories too. Like this, when you engage with someone and they, they're telling you what their life is, like yeah. that is a part of the world in which you exist. That's a part of your life. Like that yeah. is a, an incredible thing to see and to feel. And so it's I- Kind of humbling, isn't it? It is. Like the world in, in is in the most beautiful way. Place. Yeah. And so I just think that people are- honestly being deprived of something when they see themselves as somehow separate from the greater society in which they exist. I love the way of putting this. I I think there's uh, unknowingly they're deprived of something that could be a much richer, much more rewarding and fulfilling if we could kind of free ourselves up from maybe some of our typical knee-jerk responses to this. And I think a conversation like this encourages folks to see that we can have conversations that it can actually be freeing and relieving, like you said, I think that's, I think that's very, very true. You know, Brian, as we come to a close on our time today, I just so much enjoyed this together with you. And we're going to have you back maybe to talk about some next steps and, and what, what can be done in addition, building off of what we talked about today. But as we begin to bring this to a close today, give us some resources. I would love folks to find out more about you, your work with the Stanford Business School and just the writings that you've done, I would love them to have, be able to follow up. I've read all of them and they are very worth reading and they're, they're really informative. How do, how do folks get in touch with you, find out more well, about you? And that's, that's great. Thanks for that, Graham. So I have a, a website. It's called knowwhatyousee.com. So no, K-N-O-W, knowwhatyousee.com. And that's also the title of my podcast. So if people are interested in just my general perspective on a, a number of kind of broad issues that the podcast is really, I think it's quite interesting. And I, it's less me lecturing and it's more me just being curious about other people's experiences and being curious about what's going on in the world today and talking to really interesting people about it. 
So that's one place to go. If you go to my website, you can also get access to my academic writing, my scholarly writing. If you're interested in the, any of the particulars that we talked about, about privilege, there are quite a few articles on that. Everything from how people respond to being told they have privilege to how advantage and disadvantage affects kids' engagement in school, right? So yeah. there's a wide array of things there that people are, are curious and if want, people can reach out on the website, there's a link and you can send me an email if you're curious. And one final thing, I do have a book coming out. It'll be out, right. um, and but it'll be a little while. It's going to be, it's set to publish in March. So I have a, a book coming out and that book is is more on the idea of how we're constructed in, uh, in, the, in the social settings that we exist in. It's about how people affect us and help create who we are and how yes. we also are creating other people. That's really good. Congrats on that coming out. I'd love to take a look at that. In fact, while I'd like to have you back between now and that time, we'll definitely make a mark in our schedule to have you back, hopefully maybe to uh, promote that in some helpful ways and some interesting ways for our listeners as well. That's great. I just saw the title because I already do have the title. It's called what? Selfless, The Social Creation of You. I love that. I think that's where we are our best selves. We could even extend it maybe to kind of a servant leaders or, 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 or perspective in our lives where we can really lead in those ways that really bring about change. Brian, I've so enjoyed our time today. It's been great to have you on the show. The things you've shared, as I mentioned, we're going to have you back. But for today, I so appreciate your time. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Graham. It was great. I really enjoyed the conversation. I did as well. Also want to thank you, our listeners, for joining Brian and me today. It's always great to have you with us. Regarding our episode today, I want to remind you that it and its resources and all of our other shows can be found on our webpage at triadhq.com slash BHT. So check out our webpage, triadhq.com slash BHT, and explore our archive of podcasts and other resource materials. Thanks again for being with us on the show, and we'll look forward to having you back with us next time on Behavior Health Today. We appreciate all the support from our community, and if you like our show, one of the best ways you can support it is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. Behavioral Health Today is a podcast part of the Tribe Network, all rights reserved.